Hello and a big welcome to Holtcast 118. I'm James Rushton. Today I'm joined again by Daniel Raza. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing well, James. How are you doing, mate? All good, man. All good. Um, I mean, we'll get on to today's match in a bit, uh, Villa versus Birmingham City, but Villa haven't been doing too badly lately, have they? I mean, last time we spoke, it was after Wolves game. It was a bit depressing, wasn't it? Well, yeah, but I think like what, what we did discuss you know, after that Wolves game as well was that you know, let's not get too carried away over here. Uh, one defeat doesn't mean that we're suddenly in a bad run of form. Um, and what we have seen is, since then, uh, a win over a good Fulham side and a draw against Birmingham City, which is a fair result when it comes to a derby. Yeah, speaking of that Fulham game, I have to make a few apologies here. I think uh, a few people are expecting a podcast from myself and, uh, and a, a guest. And uh, I come back from Scotland, so I was shattered, to be honest. And I didn't see the game. Can't really uh, talk about Fulham if I haven't if I didn't see the game, but you caught a bit of it, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, no, did did see some of it, and I think what was good about it was obviously Josh Onuma uh, was a standout during that game. Uh, he really did make the difference in that, um, and it was good to see that. Obviously, he'd come back from the international break and had started to show that form again. Um, and also, it was great to see John Terry as well. John Terry uh, obviously scoring his first Villa goal, I believe it was, and it's the type of thing you want to see from that captain. Yeah, man, a round of applause for John Terry, I guess. So, uh, yeah, I think we're all kind of not disappointed by how he started off his Villa career, but it was just a bit quiet, wasn't it? And now we're seeing goals. Now we're seeing a bit of, you know, that John Terry passion he's renowned for. I mean, we all dis- I think everyone is the same as disliking him off the pitch, but on the pitch, I think everyone loves him. Yeah, I think the thing with John Terry is I'm, I'm glad it was quiet. I'm glad it wasn't, you know, a massive sort of circus around him starting because the last thing you want is the rest of the players kind of being affected by it. You know, what you want to see is John Terry bring the team closer. And I think what we have seen is a very sort of tight knit defense. I've was watching that game today and I've been watching Villa play for the last, uh, you know, obviously throughout the whole season. And what I can say is our defense looks a lot less jittery than it has done in previous seasons. And I do think that's down to John Terry. Yeah, man. Um, I didn't obviously. I've said I didn't catch that Fulham game, but from what I've gathered over Twitter and the highlights, it seems like our big players really came up, came up trumps for us. You know, Josh Onama, John Terry, Adoma, and especially Sam Johnson with an incredible late save. So yeah, I think we've got the talent to drag those games over the line, and that's really positive to see. Yeah, absolutely. And it could have been one of those games as well where where we didn't do too well, but this was an example of a side which. You know, we we played well against Fulham. Of course we did. But this is an example of uh, the top side in the championship, one of the top sides in the league, basically closing out the game because they've got that little bit of extra quality. And that's what we have at the moment. I think I kind of compare us to a bit of a Manchester United at the moment in the sense that, you know, you've got, you've got United up in the Premier League right now. Uh, they're obviously playing kind of poorly, playing kind of badly, but they're getting the results just about and just about kind of getting those uh, three points for games which should be draws and getting those um, getting those points for games which should be defeats um, and basically just taking them over the line. And I think that's what we're doing in the championship right now. We're going quite quietly, but we're just about getting it done. Yeah, it's good to see Villa really putting their hands around the throat of games and getting those results out, even if it is you know stodgy, boring football or if it's long ball. You know, we're getting results. And uh, yeah, so enough on that Fulham game. Um, we've covered it. Uh, Adoma scores, John Terry scores, Sam Johnson comes up with a big save. Those big players get us the three points. Moving on to today's second City derby. Um, there are stranger things that happen in a derby than a nil-nil. And uh, I think Villa missed their 11, mate, uh, Gabby Ogbonglahor today. 
Oh wow, I was I was disappointed not to see him on the see him on the bench today. I I just thought that there were so many strange decisions uh, made by Steve Bruce all throughout the game actually as well. Uh, but it was a real shame not to see him on because I I think if you're not going to play Gabby during the Blues game, then why is he still here? Yeah, I mean in the build up to this match, I think everyone wants to see Gabby. This is the one game, you know. I spoke to Copenhagen yesterday about the second city derby, and they asked me specifically about Gabby. And I think this is the one. This is the one game he's meant for now. You know, he doesn't have much value to Aston Villa, unfortunately. Do, <laughs> but in the derby, he shows up, and you know, that's at least commendable. You know, he's earning a bit of his paycheck, showing up for that one game, and he's, he wins these games. You know, he, he's made his name in the modern um, version of the second city derby. So it was a shame not to see him. Yeah, and you know what? That, there was one thing that I was thinking about whilst watching that game today. Where's that Villa fan who's playing for us today? Who's really going to take the game by the scruff of its neck? Who's going to show that passion on the pitch? I know we get into these these little conversations all the time when you talk about derbies all throughout the country. You know, obviously the Premier League, for example, is is the league with the most foreign players in the world. In but it's not just that. It was it was just a case of could we not have gone with somebody like Keenan Davis who has that passion and, you know, really loves Aston Villa? Or could we not have gone with somebody like Gabby Egbonlaw today? And I think that's what we lacked. Yeah, man. Um, especially considering, you know, you can't bottle desire to win into, you know, a metric we can study. Maybe it's running distance. Maybe it's a matter of shots taken. You know, you can't really bottle desire into something we can measure. But certainly seeing Hutter play for Birmingham, he really... You know, he wasn't able to make an impact, thankfully for us. Um, he, he missed a really, you know, a guilted chance to yeah. later on. Uh, you know, we'll come on to that. But no one looked like they wanted to win the game for Villa. You know, Kodja went on his, you know, solo burst. But it really did look like the Birmingham players, they wanted it more. Yeah, no, totally. And, you know, Kodja, half the time, it looked like he was trying to score just because he was frustrated. It was, you knew in the back of his mind. That the, the the reason why he was hogging the ball up there so often throughout the game was because he knew that he, he hadn't scored um, more than a goal in the last nine games. And th- there was a lot of that today. And yeah, Birmingham City, that, that midfield, I looked at it today and I just thought, we, we are going to get outplayed. And you know what? Truth be told, we got outplayed in midfield today. And that's because there was so much more desire in that side. David Davis did a fantastic job for the Blues today. I mean, yeah, Blues really did. Uh, they showed up in more ways than one. Especially with the presence of clappers, these little cardboard things you slap together. That's ridiculous. Daniel, was it a bad idea to give twenty or so thousand Blues fans cardboard things to chuck on the pitch? Do you know what? Two things, right? What I mean, point one is it's not the clappers which are the problem; it's the people who are throwing the clappers on the pitch. Of course, right. Second thing is, you know that this is a derby. You know things are going to get heated, and you can't trust the general public when it comes to this kind of a game. Why? Is it that you are bringing in clappers when you know full well that it, it could be a problem? It was a silly decision today, wasn't it? It was a silly decision from whoever decided that, that it would be a good idea. I don't know. Maybe they knew it was going to cause a nuisance on the pitch. Who knows? Um, but either way, it was just it was silly because there, there's no way that you can expect people to behave in this derby because uh, historically, unfortunately, mate, um, uh, we haven't been well behaved in, the, in, in, in this game. Yeah. No, that adds those fight the fire to these occasions. That's what makes this derby, you know, quote unquote special. Is there is a lot of fire and ferocity. There is hatred. You know, we we don't really have a reason to hate each other. It's not about location based. It's simply because we want superiority. We want to be the champion of the city. Of the city. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're not we're not Catholic. We're not Protestant. It's it's just a straight divide. 
and it's not even there's no no clear divide either. It's all blurred. But yeah, uh, for those who are listening, a clapper. I don't know what how to explain what it is. It's just like corrugated cardboard that you kind of slap together. And I'm, is it louder than your hands? I'm not even sure. No, it's stupid, right? Because are you seriously telling me that that you're not expecting there to be atmosphere in this game? Because there was a lot of atmosphere, right? What what is the point of the clappers? What are they going to add? Uh, is it going to make anything louder? As I couldn't hear them on the pitch today. No, and like, I don't think applause is a very loud sound at a football pitch unless it's, you know, like commemorating an event or, you know, a, a minute's applause. Unless it's in unison, complete and utter unison. It's not a loud sound. That, you know, you hear the chants and the boos and the anger and the sighs more than clap, clapping, you know, unless it's the entire stadium. Yeah, that's it. And you know what? At the end of the day, right, if... <laughs> you know, if 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 historically there was chairs thrown at these games, what makes you think people aren't going to throw about pieces of paper? Um, it was just a silly one, wasn't yeah. it? I mean, Vuvuzelas. If you're going to bring out Vuvuzelas, that makes stuff interesting. Uh, I mean, as annoying as they were, but clappers, there's just no point to yeah. them, is there? That's it. That's all I'd say. No, don't make a noise. Um, yeah, again on the decision, uh, Westmoreland's police. Uh, I mean, on this podcast, we're not about sucking up to authority figures, but certainly Westmoreland's police said that it was an awful and naive decision to include the uh, clappers because, you know, we're going to have people smashed up, you know, Blues fans smashed up on Frosty Jacks at 12 <laughs> o'clock in the morning, <laughs> launching, you know, if you're going to give these absolute roasters some, some, a missile to throw on a pitch, you know, it's it's not it's not a glass bottle, is it? Let's be honest, it's still cardboard. But, you know, they've been, they've been chucked at players. They've been chucked at players, you know, in abundance, and it's not something you want to see. Certainly, we've had our own incidences of chucking stuff on the pitch. You know, we made paper planes, but it takes a darker turn, and I don't want to exaggerate it too much because it, at the end of the day, it's cardboard, isn't it? But when you're directing paper planes at the pitch, it's a lot different than launching cardboard at someone. Yeah, especially when you're trying to make an effect on the game as well, because I hate to say it, but it did have an effect on the game. Um, Maybe somebody's saying that I'm overanalyzing this, but every time a Villa player, say, went to take a corner... Um, or want to take a throw in anywhere near the fans, there was just paper being thrown at them. And like it or not, that puts you off. Um, yeah, of course, you know, you've got the sound of an arena, which 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 will put players off uh, to, to some degree, but they're used to it. Yeah, you know, you're not... I mean, Connor Hurahan, every time he went to take a corner, he's just getting bombarded and he's, he's having to move these things out of the way. You know, you've got the you've got the steward walking onto the pitch, moving stuff out of the way as well. And, you know, you're trying to focus on a set piece. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that atmosphere that's created. That, you know, these why. This is the reason away games are hard to win because of the atmosphere that's created, especially the physical atmosphere. You know, things are landing on you. And let's be honest as well, you know, the cardboard isn't going to hurt. What's going to hurt is the things that the cardboard is disguising, like the bottles, you know, the full coffee cups. Stuff like that that are flying in among these things, yeah. the coins. You know, it is a it is a worry that they thought it was a good idea because you know Steve Bruce came and said, you know, whoever did this doesn't know Birmingham City, and I think he's right. You know, it is patronising to have clappers. You know, it it was a Leicester thing. It is just a Leicester thing. You know, they got to enjoy their party season with all their party gimmicks. You know, the donuts, the pizza, the beer, the clappers. Yeah. The thing is, when you're giving people who are pissed out of their head something to throw, they're going to throw it. That's the bottom line. <laughs> but that's it. It's not even part of our culture, is it? We, we, we're not the kind of city that that's that's going to do Mexican waves and and whatnot. Like yeah. like you said, do you know what I mean? It's it's football serious when it comes to when it comes to Villa, and it's serious when it comes to Birmingham because you know neither of our clubs have had an awful lot of success in the last few seasons. We're just interested in seeing our teams do well on the pitch. 
And there was a lot of fire to this one today. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, it's just, it's, I mean, it almost feels silly to analyse it. But, um, yeah, it's just at the end of the day, it almost seemed like they just had no clue what this game was about. Yeah, I mean, spoiler alert for anyone listening, it was a nil-nil. Um, nothing much happened, really, of note, of any goal-scoring note. I mean, certainly if Birmingham, we knew going into this that Birmingham, you know, can't finish their dinner. They're, they're a bad scoring side, and that's not just taking shots at them. They can't finish at all. Out of six games, they've got XG of four. So that's four goal-scoring chances, well, goals created through six games, and that's not yeah. good. And uh, we saw that today. They couldn't score at all, and they had, we gave them a lot of chances, mate. Well, this is it. You know, they, they brought in Isaac Vassell, who, you know, the way that, the way that pundits and the way the commentators have been talking about him is that he's, you know, he's, he's, uh, Birmingham's next next big thing now Isaac Vassell fantastic passion on the pitch runs around uh you know tries to press the defense as well we saw it today you know when he when he got himself injured in fact trying to chase out Alan Hutton um and also he's he's a very sort of brooding presence as well in the area but he his finishing record is awful he's not done an awful lot for Birmingham City since coming and he's not he didn't score an awful lot of goals for Luton Town either um if I remember correctly um now their other options are Aloni from from Southampton, Sam Gallagher, who's, who's like, like I said, you know, he's still fairly young. And then the other option is is Gutkovic, who essentially you've got to hoof the ball up and hope he scores. He's not going to be prolific either. Like you like you said, you know, their strikers is just not prolific enough. And um, you know, as many mistakes as our defence did make today, uh, we we were very sort of lucky not to get punished. Yeah, especially um, one big mistake was Sam Johnston um, getting a bit too confident with the ball and he blasted it back off the uh, back of Vassal. Very similar to that Galini mistake last year. Yeah, it was. <laughs> when uh, the ball just rebounds and almost goes in and that was very close to going in. I had flashbacks of Enkelman because the camera wasn't even on him. That was the thing. The ca- that the, the TV camera wasn't on him. Yeah. <laughs> he just he went straight back and he just saw the the ball sort of flying back um, and it, it, it always does scare you when the ball goes to the other side of the goal. Uh, but yeah, um, flashbacks of Enkelman that was today. And luckily he didn't get punished for it. Yes, yeah, certainly. When I, I was I was in the uh, Royal Pub in a Sutton, and there were chants of Enkelman like coming out from um, the Villa crowd who were just getting pissed off with our own players. And uh, there was a bit of a scare for Blues. There was a pass back that kind of rolled under uh, Kushiak's feet, and uh, everyone was hoping that that curse would be banished. Unfortunately, uh, not today. Speaking of mistakes, Birmingham's marquee, marquee man, their big man, Hotter. Uh, he ran the match, but uh, he couldn't do much of note, especially when he was through on goal, thanks to a, a sloppy back pass. I think it was from Whelan. And uh, he was through on goal and blazed it miles he, over. Hotter, he made a cameo, didn't he? He came back uh, He came back in, I think it was the game midweek. Uh, I think he's just come back from injury, am I right? Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not incredibly sure. I'll probably have to check that. <laughs> but yeah, he, uh, he's, he's, he, the thing with, with Hotter was, he, he looked like, I mean, do, you, do you remember Carlos Hill? He, he seemed a bit like Carlos Hill in in the sense that he seemed like a young player who wasn't quite ready, who clearly had some talent, knew how to dribble a ball, uh, but when it came to making a decision, he had absolutely no clue what to do. Uh, he just, you know, what? I was not at any point afraid of what Hotter was doing as a Villa fan because throughout the throughout the game, he just kind of uh, essentially just cocked up all his all his crosses, all his finishes, and uh, he just didn't look that dangerous. Yeah, I mean, he, he he's a good dribbler, let's not lie. You know, he's he's too predictable, that's the problem. Um, he was doing Alan Hutton inside and out, but who isn't going to do that? You know what I mean? No, no offence to the guy. You know, we love him. 
we've mentioned our love for him, you know, thick and thin for Alan Hutton. But uh, he was getting run inside and out, but Hutter's, his shots were too predictable. Cutting on, he just cut inside too much. And every single shot, I don't think I saw a shot of his that wasn't charged down by Chester or Terry. No, that's it. Our centre-backs were just too good for him. They, they, you're right. They, they they charged down everything that he had. And I I think he had one shot which looked like it was going to be good. And then it just got skied right over the goal um, where, when he did get free at one point. Um, I think that was down to a to another defensive error, I think, from Conor Hurahan. Uh, but yeah, he's just uh, he's he's one of those players, like you said, he's a good dribbler, but has no end product. He seemed a bit like Jack Grealish did a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Hotter destroyed us when he was a Brentford lad last season. He he ran the game and ripped us apart. But yeah, he couldn't do it today, and you know, we're uh, better off for that. Speaking of more individual performances, Glenn Whelan. He got a bit of stick in the first half, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And it was quite it was quite funny that he got man of the match by the end of it. But it was a lot of those a lot of times today where it just looked like he could not combat that that Birmingham City uh that Birmingham City midfield. And I don't think that's necessarily Glenn Whelan's fault. You know, you pick him when you're supposed to, and he did look a lot better in the second half when Mile Edinat came on uh, to support that midfield, of course. But he was being absolutely run ragged because the thing is, Ndoye and David Davis are two incredibly physical uh, midfielders who, you know, incredibly intelligent as well. And Doye knows where to, you know, where to pick up the passes. He's incredibly uh, intellectual when it comes to picking up interceptions, especially. And it just looked like uh, Glenn Whelan in that midfield looked very, very lonely. Um, he could not uh, run that defensive work because um, obviously Conor Hurahan isn't that sort of midfielder, is he? No, I mean, it's good to see that Villa have an interchangeable set of midfielders because when we saw Mila Yedinak come on, the game changed for us. Um, Glenn Whelan suddenly became Superman, like his kryptonite was removed. Yeah, that's it. It's because you can't trust Glenn Whelan to run around and pick up all the uh, pick up all the defensive midfield work. Uh, like like you said, you know, you've got an incredibly energetic Birmingham City midfield there. That's one thing I will say about Birmingham City. They've got no finish. Their defence is questionable, but they do have a very energetic midfield. And Glenn Whelan is not cut out to do the work. Maybe Glenn Whelan of a few seasons ago was able to do that, but even, you know, when he was at Stoke City, it was a very sort of uh, slow build-up play that they dealt with. And I don't think he's necessarily cut out for playing, uh, you know, playing against that sort of midfield. If we're playing against another team who are playing 4-4-2, you can match him. You know, you can match up with another central midfielder, but uh, yeah, today he just he, he looked out of touch until the end that came on, and I think that did just sort of allow him the freedom to to make those those tackles in and around the pitch without having to track back too much. Do you think he was a weird choice for man of the match? I thought he was, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he he did well. Don't get me wrong, like uh, to some degree, but he made just as many mistakes, didn't he? He, he lost just as many passes uh, when we could have had good uh, good forward moves. You know, there was a lot of times today when you saw him passing backwards when we didn't need to. And uh, I would I don't know who I would have gotten given Man of the Match to because it was that tight a game, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, I can probably think of maybe Thomas Kuchat because he's uh, saved from that point-blank codger head, head uh, so out of this world. And uh, we'd have went ahead. But, uh, yeah, that's the only... You can't give Man of the Match based on one moment. No, though, you can can't. You? you can't. And that was it. Was there any player today who shined for more than one moment? I would have given it to Ndoye. Honestly, that that's that, that he was my choice for Man of the Match. He just kept up popping up in so many different areas. Uh, he caused trouble for Villa when it came to uh, set pieces. And I think, you know, the a lot of the times that Birmingham City actually ended up on a, on, on a break was when Ndoye had cut out a pass. So, yeah, that's who yeah. I would have gone with. A quiet but eventful game, I feel, um, especially when Keenan Davis came on, mate. Oh, see, this is it. I would have started with him. 
I really would have done. You've got a young Villa lad who's come through the system who is clearly going to be passionate about playing against local rivals, Birmingham City. He would have played them before in the youth ranks as well. And, you know, instead we've gone for Kajir and we've gone for Onoma. Now, Onoma today looked very sort of out of sorts. Uh, to me, anyway, he didn't look like he was doing much. But that's, I suppose, a story for another question. When Davis did come on, straight away, he had that chance... Uh, I think it was a, a weird sort of angle. He had it on his left foot. The goalkeeper was off his line and he ended up hitting the crossbar. But he did look dangerous and I can't fault yeah. him for that chance today. He did the right thing. It just didn't uh, didn't really come off for him. A bit unlucky. That was yeah, awesome. it's a shame as well. I thought that goal was in. I thought that shot was in, sorry. I did, you know, the whole, the, the people are with, everyone was cheering and celebrating. Backs to the TV thinking it was in. Turn around and it's not. Um, a lot of people were moaning about how hard he hit it, yeah. and I think when you're surrounded by that many people, you've got to you've got to go for the the big one. You know, you, the ball has to travel. Yeah, has to go for it. No, totally, mate. I was totally perplexed by that. What do you want him to do? He's got it on his left peg. Michael Morrison is is right on the line as well. You know, if you try and finesse that, he will clear it. Um, there was nothing else he could have done but struck that with power. And like I said, on his weaker foot. Yeah, I mean. We hit the bar seconds after, didn't we? We called you as well. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did. I can't remember how exactly that happened now, but yeah, um, I do remember that happening. Was that when he fell down? Injured afterwards. Yeah, yeah, he it? fell down and I was just past the ball, man. Everyone passed the ball, mate. And uh, yeah, he gets up, you know, all credit to him for getting a shot off and actually hitting the bar with it. But, you know, Anima and Whelan were like rabid dogs waiting for the ball there at the edge of the box. They wanted that was... to hit that. It was funny. He looked like he was just risking injury for himself. He's pushing himself even further, you know, Jonathan Codger. And that's one thing you do see from him. You know, he does he does have that drive and he, do, he does have that sort of, I really want to win attitude. And that is the sort of player that we have lacked in recent seasons. But sometimes you need to have that footballing brain to, to, to tell you that sometimes it's not the right decision to go at it alone. And it was just too many moments like that for Kajir today. And he injured himself in the end because he just tried to exert himself too much. Yeah, and uh, we'll have to follow that because it, it does look like he was limping off on that ankle, you know, that broken ankle, which was uh, kept him out for so long. So, uh, it could be a blessing in disguise for Villa because it will force Keenan Davis back into the team, ideally. And I'm not sure, you know, we said he, he if there's one man who's earned his spot in the team, it's Keenan Davis for sure. And no, no beggar's belief why he isn't starting. Yeah, Davis is Davis is uh, he's playing well. You know, he's, we we said in the last podcast, I think that it'd, it'd be good to see that kind of a player kind of uh, kind of get on the pitch and 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 confuse teams a little bit more because he, teams haven't really figured him out just yet. But he does have a few things missing in his locker. He is still young. You still don't. I don't think that it would be right to to give him the uh, well, basically give him the responsibility to carry the load as a striker for the season. That that's not what I, that, that's not what I'd expect from him. I still want to see Scott Hogan come back into the ranks and see what he can do as well. But certainly, I think with Keevan Davis, he's got a big role to play. And I think if he carries on the way that he is, uh, then I think this could be a major sort of breakout season for him. And next season, we'll see a much more mature player. Yeah, ideally, if we can get him signed down to some kind of bumper deal before the big boys complaining and Man United and Arsenal are looking at him, that happens to clubs like us, doesn't it? Was he out of contract at the end of summer? Well, I don't know, but um, there are rumours. I think it was the Sun who said Man United put a bid in him, but we can't believe that. But there are. Uh, it was on the Birmingham Mail that he's rejected a contract deal. So I don't think it's this summer, but it's next one, like the Dalf situation. Mm. Could be a big worry. 
Well, you know, all you've got to do is just decide not to put in a release clause. That's uh, that's the only thing I'd advise Aston Villa against. And I mean, Keenan Davis has earned some money now, hasn't he? Really has. If he's if there's one player we we want to pay, it's him. Because you know he's he's put a shift in. Yeah, and you you want to be able to tie down these kinds of players. You know, we 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 see it so often where players come through in clubs uh, come through a club's academy, and the minute they start playing, uh, they get picked off and they end up moving out. And I think it would be really really nice for Villa to have some players of their own that they have sort of homegrown. Um, it would be nice to see if we had a core of uh, we had a we had a core of a team consisting of say Grealish, Andre Green, and uh, you know obviously Keenan Davis as well. I think it would be great to see that at the club. But who knows if it's going to be able to happen. Last time we had a good batch of youngsters, they just never seemed to uh, work out, did they? No, we you know, we hopped Stefan and Luke Moore. Hopped uh, Craig and Gary Gardner. We've hopped a lot of people. Clark and uh, Baker too. Yeah, especially. I mean, all credit to Kieran Clark and Nathan Baker. They've made it work at different places than Villa. But um, yeah, our youth seems to be finally clicking together. But th- there are problems now. There are problems in the fact that, you know, we, we are messing up pay scales. We aren't getting the admin side right. For instance, I mean, Russian Hepburn Murphy is meant to be on a... I mean, we can't discuss exact numbers because the legal situations and stuff like that. But he's on a fair a fair wedge of cash, Daniel. And, you know, Keenan Davis is going to want more than that. And rightly so. <laughs> he's had more of an impact. Mate, you know what? As much hype as people threw on Russian Hepburn Murphy, right? Now, I, I, I'm not denying that the kid is talented. He is probably very, very good. Now, I, I'm not sure exactly how he's doing right now. I'd like to see him back in the team at some point. Um... But like it or not, what we've got to say is that Keenan Davis has really taken that, you know, taken the horn, hasn't he? I mean, he he has come straight into the team and he has grabbed that opportunity, hasn't he? And yeah, that's something that a lot of youngsters don't do at clubs. And you have to do that if you're going to make it through these teams. Because at the end of the day, you're talking about the Premier League and the Championship. But we've said it before, we'll say it again. You can pick out players from so many different countries, so many different leagues at a cut price, you know, that you can bring in to fill in positions. Right, so when you get that opportunity, as a young striker, you have to start scoring early. And it's a difficult thing to do because how do you get used to the men's game? Do you know what I mean? How, how do you get used to that, that the, the professional game um, within the space of, of 10, 11 games? That's what Keenan Davis has been able to do. And right away, he's looking like the finished product. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he does. I definitely think we need to give him a better contract. Oh yeah, and if uh, if he's gonna leave because he's not getting the cash, I think that'd be a, a real shame because he he deserves it. And a lot of people are saying, you know, you you can't pay, we can't pay him because he's young. We can't pay him because he's played twelve games or so. But man, if there's a player who's earned a wedge of cash, it's him. Surely. Well, yeah, you know, you've got players like Scott Hogan, Ross McCormack. They 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 got given the same amount of time. They got given the even more amount of time, haven't they? But they haven't made the same impact that Keenan Davis has. Yeah, and that's that's you know in a normal working situation, if you're doing a better job than two other people, then they're on more than you. You go to HR, don't you? <laughs> you probably get into a tribunal. You have a real situation on your hands, but that doesn't seem to be in the case in football where people just get money chucked at them, and you have these problems. No, now. but you know, having said that, you know, we, 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 you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't expect that somebody of his age, a player just coming through into the team who has just played a few games, you, you shouldn't be expecting too much, should you? I mean, that, that's that's what I'd say. At the end of the day, you still, yeah. you've still got the best job in the world, haven't you? And uh, <laughs> you, you have to enjoy what you do get from it because, no, let's be real, James, nobody really does need 20, 30 grand a week, do they? 
No, oh, no, of course, no. I mean, we'd all like it. Certainly wouldn't turn it down. But yeah, I mean, Ross McCormack and Scott Hogan get that type of money because, you know, you go on a Wikipedia page, you see the stats, you see he has done this for so many years. Whereas Keenan Davis is an unproven entity. He's done the business so far. But what will he become? Will he become better than the players we're paying 40 grand a week? You know, we don't know. We don't know that for sure, which is... I don't want to digress too much, but uh, I just think it's worth mentioning that you know Scott Hogan. I don't think has had an amazing amount of chances. I don't. I don't necessarily think that that uh, that Bruce has utilised him ever since switching to the sort of four four two formation, switching to the ideology that we do attack and we we go on the front foot. I think he has tried to implement that. We haven't been able to see Scott Hogan uh, play like that. Also, want to mention that Ross McCormack did score a free kick for uh, for Melbourne this week. Uh, and I yes. just want to—I just wanted to give that little shout out to him for that. <laughs> I believe it's three goals in two games, which isn't—it's not shabby. shabby, but it's also the Australian league, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, we're in a championship, so uh, is it much different? Yeah, I, I mean, don't know. Is probably, it... yeah. It's not even the main sport, is it? Like, it's—it's <laughs> it's not even—it's not even their football. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. They've got a totally different football over there, James. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about how big Melbourne City are. Or, Melbourne victory. You know, I don't even know the other teams. Wollongong Strikers or something like that. Wellington City. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about the A League. I'll have to uh, hit up some Australians because they thought Ross McCormick was the next big thing when he came over, and I'm like, nah, nah, <laughs> you're having a laugh. But yeah, three goals, two games, not bad. And I think me mocking those Australian journalists isn't is going to go south actually because uh, now they're going to turn around and go well he's got 10 goals in how many oh, games yeah, that's it but yeah um, Blues Villa nil nil did it live up to your expectations what, what did you think was going to happen nil nil it's not far off what I thought I thought one of us was going to scrap it today uh, I, I did think that I was leaning more towards a Villa victory purely because we are such a much better side than Birmingham City. And I don't, I'm not saying that as somebody who's being biased. I mean, there's probably some of that in there, uh, but I'm not saying that as a Villa fan. I'm just saying that as, as a football fan, as somebody who's been watching both sides this season, we are such a much better team than Birmingham City. But uh, Birmingham, they're, they're always going to trouble us in the in this derby, aren't they? They're always going to turn it up and, and play to the to the best degree that they can. Nil-nil is a fair result at the end of it, but yeah, you know cool. I, I, I watched that game and looking at the amount of chances, looking at the different chances that got wasted by both sides, it could have been 2-0 Villa, it could have been 3-0 Blues. There were so many ways this game could have gone. At the end of the day, a nil-nil, uh, I think it suits everybody. So <laughs> I think that's it. I think both sides would be happy with it. And if you'd have told me that it would have been nil-nil at the start of the game, I would not have been surprised one bit. Neither of us are sides necessarily who score goals yeah. for fun. You, you take a point away from home, don't you? you always, I'll, I'll take a point away from home. I mean, you want to beat these teams in the bottom three or four, but you know when the atmosphere is there, when the pressure's on, I'll take the point. I'm happy with that. I hate to say Yeah, it. when it's Birmingham, it's different, isn't it? It's when it's Birmingham, it's different. It's not like you're playing a team in the bottom three or four when you're playing against Birmingham City. You're, that is a top-of-the-table game, isn't it? Because of what that match means to both the sides. Yeah, they're going to show up no matter what. They're going to show You can, If there's one thing you can count on Birmingham City, you can't count on them winning the game. You can't count on them even having a shot on target. But you can count on them showing up and giving you a bit of pressure. And uh, it's always on Villa to fail. We're the bigger team. We've won more. We win. We win the derbies. We show. We and we don't ever seem to show up in these games. No, I, I don't know. I I don't know, man. Like 
what the, the thing the things that made me think that this game was going to be so much more um to the Birmingham City players is the fact that they just don't beat us and it's been so many years since they've beaten us I think it was seven years ago they beat us last time out and I think that was in the cup yeah I think it was right and then it's been 11 years since they last beat us in the league you know it's it's been a long time coming it, they, they are not going to want to sit there and watch us walk all over them every single season. And you know what? I think we do turn up against Birmingham City most of the time. Yeah, the, the team talk for the Birmingham City manager is always going to be easier because it's it's easy to perceive Villa as an arrogant, big shot, you know, club. The club of the establishment. It's got a royal name. It's followed by the royal family. It's got David Cameron as a follower. It's won all these cups. It's got loads of money. It's easy to to see Villa, you know, see Birmingham City as the underdog, and the under the team talk for the underdog is easier. What does Steve Bruce say? Because you meant to win this match. That's it. You meant to show up. You don't got to inspire players by saying you meant to show up. When people are told to do their jobs exactly as that they're meant to do it, it's hardly the most motivating thing, is it? No, I, I think you know what. I think Steve Bruce did manage to inspire them to some degree. That's probably partly because he doesn't want to ever lose to Birmingham City. He can't as 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 their ex manager. Uh, but you know, I did see a bit of bite from us today. You know, it was good seeing uh, seeing El Mahamedi and and Alan Hutton throw themselves into challenges today. Both of them, both of them, I think, by the way, commendable performances. Um, and it was good to see how well our defence had um, were able to handle the big players from Birmingham City. And the only thing I, like I said, that I did think we lacked was you know a, a better a better midfield or, or, or a stronger grip on midfield. That's all we did. Sort of lack, but I think our players did turn up today. I, I I didn't leave that game thinking nobody tried on that pitch. I didn't leave that game thinking, do you know what? Uh, none of them played with any passion. They did. Uh, it was just a case of both of the sides cancelling each other out today. Yeah, I mean, the second city derby always seems like it's going to be harder for Villa than Blues because Blues are always going to have the motivation there every single occasion. They're either under us in the table, they're never going to win as much as us. It's going to take a while for them to win more than us, the more trophies than us, more derbies than us. So the motivation, motivation as an underdog is always there. And I'm glad to say that at very least it was consistent that we at least looked like we wanted to try and win it. And you know what? In the 95th minute, when Albert Adome is crouching over the ball on the edge of the box, you think it, the stage is set in it. You think this is it. Top corner, banging goal. A dome of the hero, as usual. Our Albert, the hero. <laughs> he scores it, doesn't he? <laughs> well, it wouldn't have been a problem, would it, if Steve Bruce hadn't have taken off Snodgrass or Conor Hurahan? Yeah. That's what it was. That's what it was screaming out for. Well, even get yeah. a a known dead ball specialist. So I have no idea why Albert Adome is taking corners and free kicks because he can't take them, unfortunately. Yeah, I've got nothing against the dome, and I don't think that he, I'm not saying that he's not a technically skilled player, but I've never seen him do anything amazing from from set pieces i might be wrong he must have scored a free kick for us i I think he has but you know it was just one of those things wasn't it i I would have liked to to see one of them give it a go Um, yeah someone who knows how to strike the ball cleanly adoma is a very passionate and a very talented player unfortunately i don't think he's head you you need someone who isn't going to feel the pressure you need big big yedanak 
No, I don't think he feels the pressure either. Either it was a difficult angle. When, yeah. You know what? When you're that close to the goal, right, and it's incredibly squashed up, you've got all those players packed up into that little area, right? That wall is incredibly difficult to get the ball over. Do you know? Very, very rarely, I think, do you ever see free kicks coming from that range. What you have to do from there, I think, is you have to give that little pass, that tap into another player, see if they can blast it through. But how many men are back inside that box? You know, that's it at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. I mean... Under pressure is probably the wrong uh, word to use. I mean, more excited. I think he was excited to be the hero. You know, it's on the cards and it 95th minute and uh, didn't can't work out. But yeah, I mean, it's it happens, doesn't it? You're not going to score every last minute chance. No, but you know, if it was uh, if it was uh, us that had conceded that free kick and the shoe was on the other foot, you know, that's going in. It's going. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. The fairy tales aren't always written out how they're meant to be. They don't always play out. Well, look, mate, we're out. we're not the underdog. You know, this is it, and I th- I think that's I think that's a good position for us to be in now. We we are the team that is expected to win. Yeah, it makes things harder, but that's where we are now. We're not the underdog anymore. Um, and at the end of the day, we we stopped we stopped the we stopped that young Birmingham City side with all that energy, with the side that kept on bursting out for counter-attacks against us, gave us a real, real tough game. We stopped them from getting what they tried their hardest for today. And at the end of the day, when it comes to the end of the season, James, we're going to be closer to the top of the table and they're going to be closer to the bottom of it. And that's all that matters. Yeah, of course, man. Uh, the proof's in the pudding and we'll know that what what happens come May. Hopefully, be in the playoffs then. Um, but let's uh, let's move on to Preston, right? We go away to uh, Preston yeah. on Wednesday, the first of November. It's actually televised on Sky Sports, so that's a good thing for us English people who can't really get onto uh, <laughs> AVTV. Um, but yeah, we go away to Preston, and they're quite high flying as well. This this is a more dangerous match than the 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 derby we've just played. I feel, mate. Listen, mate. What I have to say about this game is that Steve Bruce, if there's a game where you let the shackles loose and you play two up front and you tell Villa to attack, it is Wednesday night against Preston, and that is because they are missing their top centre back options. Their defence is going to be absolutely jittery. As good as they have been going forward and as good as they have, have played um, you know, against expectations with Alex Neal, at the end of the day, they're going to be there for the taking. This has to be a full three points. Yeah, you feel, you real feel that. Uh, Preston are sitting ninth. So, I mean, if they win, I believe they overtake us. They, fly, they take our position. They, they cut our head off and jump up. Yeah, but listen, there's no Tommy Spur, right? No Davis, no Tom Clark, no Greg Cunningham, right? So that there's that, right? Um, obviously, th- those are the players that they've had in the past. There, uh, you know, uh, at the left, at the left side of their defence, they haven't got those guys anymore. They're not available, right? And you've got people like uh, you've got somebody like oh, what, what's his name? I'm trying to think of the trying to think of the defender, Paul Huntington, right? Their captain, not available, right? Why? Because he got suspended. Right, Callum Woods had to fill in at centre back as well. Um, this is, by the way, this is this weekend against Brentford. Uh, they lost three uh, two. So they've now missing. Uh, they're now missing so many different casualties at the back. Uh, at the back, and at the end of the day, if we play Kajir and we play, uh, say, somebody like Scott Hogan, somebody like Keenan Davis, somebody has to punish that defence. It's like, for example, if we'd lost both Chester and Terry. Would you expect us to win a game with neither of those guys starting? Because I'm telling you, we wouldn't. No, we wouldn't at all. And uh, Preston are a very, they're a high conceding and a high scoring team. You know, they've lost 3-2 in the last two games. A two, 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 two draws uh, were behind that as well. And a 2-1 victory. It's two goals all around for them. So this is going to be a high scoring affair, I feel. 
three two either way, isn't it? Maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I see that. I see that. You know, they 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 did manage to come back from. Uh, being down against Norwich, not it wasn't Norwich, was it? Um, who was they played Brentford? Sorry, they did yeah. manage to come come back from from being uh, from being down twice in that game, and that does tell you that they're not going to sit down and and let us walk all over them. Uh, so there is that. I'm not sure necessarily who's scoring the goals from this season. Actually, I will have to check that out. Uh, but what I do know is that Preston North North End with a manager like Alex Neil are always going to give it a hundred percent. You know, we saw that when he was managing Norwich City, uh, he always had a side that was always going to be, uh, you know, pushing right until the last minute. That's what Norwich City did under Alex Neal, running around throughout the whole game. And they will give us a tough match, I think, Preston North End. But I, I, like I said, their defence is too weak for us not to punish. Uh, the only thing is that, you know, their, their unbeaten home record is now over. So that's not going to be a, a problem for us anymore when it comes to their confidence. Yeah, so it could be a very similar match to Burton. I mean, the golfing class between the two teams is clear. But uh, we went into that match a bit nervy, especially me previewing the match. I was like, it's, you know, you don't go to Burton and try and punch him in the mouth because that's what the situation I expect. And then we end up winning. We end up blasting him away. Do you reckon? So you you reckon we need to we need to sort of sit back and, and kind of... I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. It's just I feel that... The same way, I feel like uh, I wouldn't go and try and blast them away. But then again, we did that to Burton and we won. So what do I know? Well, I think you know when you get to a certain point as a side in in this sort of division, right? We are, or we should be, after Wolves or you know alongside Wolves, we should be the strongest side in that in that division. Manchester City don't turn up to Burnley saying be wary. Manchester City turn up to Burnley wow. and say you go out there and blast them away. When you're at the top of the table, when you're as good as we are, or as good as we can be, you should be turning up these sides and blasting them away. Because if you don't try and do that, you don't unlock the full potential of the squad that we have. And we do end up getting in dogfights. And I think we just need to turn up and, and try and score as many goals as possible. And that, that's what we should be doing against Preston North End without their, without their captain in defence and without you know all the other options that they're missing. I know I... Totally agree. Then in that case, I think if if they're missing the key, the key puzzle pieces at the back, then that that's room for people like Adoma, Hogan, and Davis to uh, exemplify. Because we're not sure if Codger is seemingly certainly won't be playing in this one, even if it's just to avoid the risk of being injured. Yeah, again. yeah. Plus, I think I think you know this is this is a an opportunity for another one of our strikers to come on and play, isn't it? I I, I personally I would definitely start Scott Hogan on Wednesday. I'm not sure if you'll disagree with me there. But. No, I, I think we should. Uh, we've got a game coming up three days later. We'll get onto that in a second against Wednesday. Um, but the game on Wednesday against Preston, uh, we we need a bit of rotation. We because we we can't play the same formation two games with a three day gap between each one. You know, it's going to knacker them out. We're going to have injuries leading into a very tough fixture patch. Is this the game that you that you perhaps tell John Terry to have a rest? I wonder. I'm not sure because he seems like it doesn't phase him. It's the other ones I'm worried about. It's Hurahan, Whelan, Adoma, Davis, everyone who sprints <laughs> around the entire match I'm worried about. Um, the, Chester and Terry, whatever they're doing, just if I was their doctor, keep doing it because they're in peak condition. They don't seem phased. Yeah, I was going to say, am I right in saying that James Chester has not missed a single minute of championship action since Steve Bruce became manager? 
I, f- I fully believe that's true. Um, I don't know how to verify it, but I fully believe that is true. I haven't seen it, certainly. Um, Nathan Baker has. We know when he parted him last night, Alfic did. So everyone seemed to miss a game except Chester. But the same with John Terry, always there. It's incredible to see that these, you know, James Chester isn't that old, but John Terry is <laughs> is that old. And the fact that he's been involved in every single minute of every single game is it's hard to believe, to be honest, Daniel. Yeah, but you know what, John, John Terry. He, he, I think I, obviously, you know, as a centre back, you can you can hang around there um, up until a, up until quite a quite a lot, quite an old age, I reckon. Uh, but yeah, he's 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 got that passion, hasn't he? He doesn't necessarily need to need to run around a lot. We don't see that happening from him. James Chester can can do that chasing up if he ever needs to. But I think what having a quali- good quality side allows us is uh, the sort of freedom for a centre back like John Terry to not have to do too much work. Yeah. But when it when it does come to a point where a side does get on a, an attack or does decide to counter us, you've got him right there. He's keeping us safe. And I'm sure that our defensive record has been fantastic this season. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. I feel confident in this defence. I don't care about the wings, the left back and right back. I, I It doesn't faze me because I know John Terry and James Chester are there and they're, they're working together now. Do you know what? Never have I seen, you know, in the last few years at Aston Villa, uh, you know, uh, two centre-backs who are that sort of assured that when a ball comes into the box, you know it's going out there. You know their chest is blocking it or you know that they're heading it out. And they're not just going to tap it out for a throw into the other side. They will get that ball to the other side of that pitch. And I think that finally we do have our... And I, I will go as far as saying that James Chester and John Terry, as our defenders, are probably better than any Premiership defence we have had in the last five years. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Akore and Clark was very promising. That was working until, you know, Akore's injuries got the better of him. Baker and Chester, that was brilliant, but Baker's injuries got the best of him. And seemingly, this 37-year-old man who can't get injured at all, touch wood, is, is, <laughs> is the man who's fixing it all, John Terry. Of course it would be him, wouldn't it? Of, yeah, of course. And I think also whilst we're on that topic, I just want to send out a shout out to Vlar and Senderos, which lasted us a whole one month. Yeah, and which that, was, was, uh, that was really good. <laughs> beautiful. One. No, I'm not. I'm not like bullshitting here. But Vlar and Senderos wasn't bad. Vlar and Senderos was was ridiculously good. You know, I, all our, all our time in the in the Premier League, those two. Well, I mean, I'd say since I started watching. Those two look the most solid um, ever. You've got two big guys who, you know, two bold-headed, almost Terminator-like characters who uh, essentially just just would not let anything in. But that was, that's right. But yeah, John Terry right now, yeah. At the age of 37, so what? He's been at Chelsea for, I don't know how long. You know, he was, the, he was there for years playing in a side, I mean, training with a side with championship, um, Champions League, sorry, levels of, of medical staff and, and trainers and fitness coaches. Of course, he's going to be fine. You know, footballers end up retiring at, uh, at, a late, uh, at an age of about 37, 38 because they don't necessarily need to keep carrying on playing. But I've got no doubt whatsoever in my mind that somebody like John Terry, if he wanted to play until he was 40, 41, he could do it. Oh, yep. I I have absolutely no argument against that. I think that's true. Um, speaking of the defence, one final thought on the defence. Alan Hutton hasn't been bad at left-back. He hasn't been bad at all, you know. <laughs> But Neil Taylor comes back now. Does Neil Taylor replace him? Or do we have more Alan Hutton? It's uh, <laughs> a funny one. Uh, no, Taylor has to come back. It sounds like it's an easy answer. But Alan Hutton hasn't done bad. 
So would you bring him back in? or uh, You have to bring him back in, but I think the question's there. Nah, Taylor comes back in. Uh, Taylor and El Mohamedy are our two best right, uh, our two best fullbacks. Look, Alan, I've enjoyed his like little comeback at left back, but I don't know if it's going to last. We always, well, we know he's there, always watching and always waiting to uh, fill in wherever he's needed, and that's brilliant. You know, Alan Hutton showed up when we needed him, and that's the the biggest commendation, the biggest, you know, compliment I can pay pay him. You know, the fact that actually Alan Hutton is the man who showed up when we needed him rather than anyone else is well done, Alan. Well done. No, that's it. Like like I said, you know, the only thing that's wrong with him is is his positioning, which just has never been on point. Uh, ironically, it looks like he's better better at finding his position in a left back than at right back. And it just confuses me because it just shouldn't, shouldn't happen. Also, the other thing that seems to work for him at left back is the fact that he's not pulling in these, uh, these uh, useless crosses because he ends up having to, uh, to come inside the pitch instead. Yeah. I mean, he can't actually use his feet mm-hmm. on the left side of the pitch. And that's probably a good thing that he can't actually use his feet to do anything bad or stupid. Uh, moving on to a Preston prediction to wrap up the Preston bit. I think 2-1 Villa, mate. 2-1 Villa, okay. Uh, we're at home, aren't we? No, we're away. Are we away? Okay, yeah, it's a deep tail. It is a deep tail, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, of course it is. Look, their, their unbeaten home record is gone, mate. It's not uh, It's not there anymore. Brentford sorted that out for us. So um, shout out to Brentford for that, the bees. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with a comfortable victory. Now, I, I very, very rarely will sit here and say that. Um, give Villa a comfortable victory because how can you ever? I'm thinking this is going to be more along the lines of 4-1. I'm going to go 4-1 Villa. I think we'll concede. It happens, you know. Um, it's three things which are known in life. Death, taxes and Aston Villa conceding goals. But let's go with it. 4-1, that's what I'm going to go with. Oh, that's confident, mate. Confident. Moving on to Sheffield Wednesday. Do you think it's another 4-1 there? The Sheffield Wednesday are a team in a bit of a despair. Look, yeah, Carlos Culverhell, is, is, his job is in a little bit of danger right now. Now, um, they have been... I think they've got that little bit of a curse, haven't they, that a lot of championship clubs have, where they've missed the boat on promotion. You know, they had those two or three seasons where they had that chance to go up. They were consistently in and around the playoffs. They just didn't quite make it. Same as Derby, right? Same as Derby. Derby, same thing happened to them. And now they've just realised that, well... Perhaps the manager, Carlos Calvajal, maybe you know, he's taken them as far as he, as he can. And, you know, perhaps they've run out of ideas a little bit. And they might be lacking that motivation now to, to make it into the higher parts of the of the table. And now I think they're sitting in 16th or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. So, yeah, I think they're a, they're a side who are going to be affected by a lot more negativity than than, than us. Now, Birmingham City, you know, we, we, we talked about them today and, and how they are further down the table and how we, we would tend to do better against that kind of side because they've been not been playing well. This isn't a local derby. It's got none of that anymore. This is this is a job for Aston Villa. This is one of those games which, yes, we should be winning. Um, perhaps Sheffield Wednesday will be able to pull off something. But, you know, they've still got the same sort of talent of, uh, of the players that were around last season. Um, but, you know, like I said, they're under pressure, uh, under far more pressure than we are. And... I mean, to make matters worse for them, Sheffield United are top of the table as well. Negativity all around. Yeah. Wednesday spoil really did start when United slammed them 4-2. They lost against Birmingham, the match following that. They won against Leeds, but the Leeds meltdown doesn't really count because, you know, Leeds do lose a few matches in the stretch, but then bounce back. So we won't count that. Then they lost to Bolton and Derby after that, mate. 
that doesn't look like if Villa lost that those games, I'd be seriously worried. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. You can't lose to Bolton. I got Bolton. I I've always said Bolton are my second club, right? Um, because uh, I had uh, my first ever football game was was at the Reebok. But you know they they they're, they're a very poor side, Bolton. You know they they will get relegated. Um, the way things are going, uh, Derby County again. You know you don't want to be losing to Derby. I know it's not necessarily a a local Derby, but they they're close enough to each other, aren't they? Sheffield and Derby County, and there's always a little bit of ferocity in that side. You know, once again, one of their players getting sent off as well for Sheffield Wednesday, just showing that they've had another meltdown and. It just doesn't look like there's anywhere for them to go right now. Um, this season, as far as promotion goes, I don't think they're going to get anywhere near the playoffs. And I think they're going to be in more of a relegation dogfight, um, unfortunately. So I'm, I'm, I definitely think this is a game that we should be winning. But let's not forget that they are a side who have Fernando Forestieri and Jordan Rhodes who can always turn it on. And of course, former Villa man Barry Bannon. Yeah, I was just about to say Barry Bannon. He's a... Uh... The Lionel Messi of the championship, isn't he? He's, he's a bit of a magician. Much like uh, the teams that Wednesday are going to face, Mill will pull stuff out of the hat all the time, pull those rabbits out of the hat, get some good results. So uh, we could, when we, uh, next Saturday at home, Wednesday come to visit Villa, I think that could be another another big match. I'm thinking 3-0 Villa for that. It should be. And I, I'm if if I'm going to be consistent in, say, <laughs> in saying that we'll beat Preston 4-1, then that should set us up for another big victory against Sheffield Wednesday. That's just me being a bit too positive, perhaps. But I think this is what we should be doing anyway. Um, having said that, there might be a bit of fight for Sheffield Wednesday, but I honestly do think, you know, keep an eye on what's going on this week. Um, Carlos Carvalhal is in serious danger of of, of leaving. Um, I don't know if he's going to last a week. If I'm totally honest. Um, yeah, I mean, if he repeats his performance like last year at Villa Park when he uh, begged the referee on his hands and knees not to send him to the stands, and and pulled up the referee's shorts to to try and persuade him to keep him on the pitch, then it'll be quite funny. That was entertaining. But yeah, if we 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 beat Norwich at home, we beat Bolton at home. We play well at home. We should be beating Sheffield Wednesday, who are in a yeah, bit of despair. That's it. You know, if we if and if we don't get the three points, it's because we it's because we haven't capitalised or we haven't played well enough. And uh, that, at the end of the day, is about that issue of consistency, which I I don't think has been an issue. If I'm totally honest, yeah, you might have the the odd slip up, but you know what? We've been winning games. And we've been winning them well. If you, I mean, if if I'd have said, if you'd have said at the end of the last podcast we did, you know that that we'd get four points out of Fulham and Birmingham City, I'd be perfectly happy with it. Um, and that, I mean, I'd have preferred the three points to come against Birmingham than Fulham. But then again, Fulham are a better team. They are a better team. They they were a team that were playing well, and at the end of the day, we we we, yeah. we managed to finish them off. That was something that we managed to do, which we we really have struggled with, you know, in past seasons and even at the start of this season. This is the first game in a long time where we did finish a side off. They came back, didn't they? You know, it was it was it was one one, and we we managed to we managed to win from there. And that's one criticism we've had of Steve Bruce recently, isn't it? That um, you know, when when another team does score against us, we just end up shutting off. Um, we didn't do that this time around. I'm just seeing progress from Villa. Even in today's game, I saw some degree of progress. Um, you know, uh, obviously, I would have gone with a few different tactical decisions from Steve Bruce, but I see nothing to suggest that we shouldn't win both games against Preston and Sheffield Wednesday. Well, what better note to leave it on than that, mate? Um, two wins should be coming up for Villa. We've both predicted a win. So any uh, final thoughts, mate? Final thoughts. All right. Um, yeah. Okay. 
I think Steve Bruce needs to think a little bit harder about his team selections. That's uh, I think that's one thing I do want to say. Uh, Onoma today against Birmingham City looked absolutely, you know, useless. I thought, uh, and I, and I just thought that it was it was very sort of silly uh, having that player playing just behind the striker if we were going to be hoofing it up to him all game. And I've got no problem with long ball. With, with long ball. I've still got that same criticism of Steve Bruce as I had in the last game. Sometimes it just seems as though he's thrown 11 names onto the pitch and sort of hashed a plan together. I think the one ingredient that we are missing is a real strategy and a real plan going into games targeted at the particular side that we're playing against. If we were going to play like we did against Birmingham City today, we could have done with another striker. So I think that's the only note I want to end it on. But I will say that today's derby was fantastic. It could have gone either way. It was tense from start to finish. And um, I'm more than happy with a nil-nil. Yeah, perfect, mate. Well, I'm happy to have you on board as well. Examining the second City derby. Where can people find your work, mate? So I have got Twitter, of course, at DHRazza, um, if you want to follow me and see what I'm up to. Um, I'm doing a lot of sports documentary work at the moment, just trying to get a few things uh, up on YouTube. Um, and I do that for a sports show called Sports Talk on British Muslim TV, which I do on a weekly basis. So do check that out. Yeah, perfect. Then you can follow me at Jamo Rushton on Twitter and, of course, 7500 Salt on Twitter. But yeah, as for me, James Rushton and Daniel Raza, that's it for this week. And we'll catch you soon. Goodbye.